Welcome to Hard Sell, a podcast where my friend and I give each other the hard sell on a piece of media that we enjoy, such as a podcast, a video game, a set of albums, or a sports documentary. My name's Cody Morin. My name's Tim Bloom. And I'm Cozy Handula. Well, it's about that time of year again. When you're hearing this, a wonderful event has just begun, that I, and I know all three people on this podcast love it dearly. I am, of course, talking about the great Minnesota get-together, otherwise known as the Minnesota State Fair. Of course. Tim, Cozy, what are your thoughts on uh, <laughs> our great state fair? I am... Yes. I do like the fair. <laughs> I think the food is good. I like going for the uh, vibes. I've gone to a couple concerts there. They're fun outdoor concerts. Um, I, I generally like the fair. I think about once every two to three years is about my limit for eating fair food. Uh, but I feel like I've heard of like other fairs not being as good. And I've gone to like other like outdoor events. And like there's nowhere that has quite like the variety of like food I actually genuinely want to eat as like the state fair does. And I always get invested in like the new food options. So I'm, I'm a fan. Okay. Uh, Tim's yeah. feelings, I think, are more complicated. <laughs> <laughs> My feelings are more complicated in a couple ways. I mean, overall, I like the idea of the Minnesota State Fair. And I like I like it. I do like it in the same way that I like um like a stinky cheese. You get like a nice cheese platter and you've got like a very intense sort of cheese. Um it can be decadent, it can be good, it will leave you feeling slightly ill afterwards, but Overall, it's a good experience, but I don't want to eat a block of stinky cheese, right? I want, like, <laughs> two slices, ideally with a cracker and, like, a little piece of meat. And for me, a slice of the State Fair is, like, an hour. So if I ah, could go okay. easily to the Minnesota... So I, I, I liked it more, and then I worked at the State Fair two consecutive jobs in a row for different reasons... I worked at a radio station where I worked the fair, and then I got a job, a different job, uh, in public relations where I worked at the Minnesota State Fair that involved, like, driving. Sprained your ankle. Yes, I did hurt my ankle at the fair. It did. I used to have to drive a 20-foot U-Haul at 4 in the morning carrying baby food onto the fairgrounds (laughs) multiple days in a row. Uh, I sprained my ankle. It got it poured. I had to set up said baby food stand from 4.30 a.m. to 7 a.m. And it poured, raining the full two and a half hours uh, like someone had just died in an anime. And it was just absolutely <laughs> drenching me. I was wearing a white polo just soaked to the bone. Um, so I would say my enthusiasm for the fair has lessened in years. Every time I go... I have a good time for about the first half. And then by the time we get about two and a half hours in, I'm basically ready to go. But because of the parking situation, it nobody wants to – you don't want to spend an hour parking and an hour trying to leave to stay there for two hours. So at the end of the day, that's a very long-winded way of saying I feel basically the same way as Cozy, which is like it's worth it every couple of years, but I – I my feelings are both like I love the cheese curds. You gotta love the cookies. They're they're the staples that everybody gets. It's <laughs> yeah. great people watching. Like everyone says, good. There's always a couple new novelty things every year that are worth trying. But like, 
the last half. I spend most of the last half of my time there being like, I could be done with this now. I would not be upset <laughs> if we left right now for like the last four to five hours, usually of the time I spend there. Yeah, I was talking with Kayla about this ahead of time. Um, and I had said that I bet working at the fair, it was a decent sized part of uh, maybe souring your view of the fair a bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't dislike the fair. Like, yeah. I don't I don't have a, I'm not like anti-Minnesota State Fair. And I agree with Cozy for sure. It's definitely the best one. As, as at various jobs, I've been to various uh, State Fair-esque events or literal State Fairs in other states. And Minnesota's like by far the biggest, has by far the best food, by far the most unique food. But like, it's not, you know, it's fine. It's it's a fair like it is it is it's sort of like I think I feel the same way about the fair as I feel about the Mall of America like ah, sure. it's it's fine to go to the Mall of America there are stores there there's some good food there are some rides that are fine but like I wouldn't the people that I feel the same way about the people that are like the fair the fair the fair the fair as people who are like the Mall of America the Mall of America I'm like it's a fair <laughs> it's a mall like it's fine it's not. <laughs> It's not, uh, I'm not upset about it, but it's not, I'm never, like, ticking down the days to go to the fair, you know what I mean? Yeah. Besides the ones you mentioned, oh, go ahead. The other thing about the fair that's always so hot at the fair, um, that's, like, my resounding memory of the fair, and, like, I, we're really lucky in where we live in San Francisco, because it's almost always, like, 70 and sunny, and feels beautiful, not too hot, not too cold, perfect weather, I recently went to an antiques fair in Alameda, which is across the bay, um, and I it was hot and like humid and sunny, and I like almost died. I forgot about summer uh, <laughs> weather, and I was like, it that reminded me of being at the fair so much because I was like, this is the thing I remember about being at the fair: just being so hot and just wanting to be in air conditioning. Uh huh. Yeah, there are a lot of fair days like that. You really have to. It's either that or like you end up getting rained on or or a mix of the two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, it, that's my resounding memory of working the fair is praying for rain is either being yeah. drenched or being like, I'm so hot. I'm going to die if it doesn't <laughs> drizzle a little bit. Like, And then I, you just I'm like gonna... feel so bad for the people in the uh, Sweet Martha cookie oh, like booth where it's like just hot ovens oh, running yeah, or all like the day. Corn. Oh, yeah. the corn is Sand. terrible. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, you had mentioned new food. I did want to just run through a few of the new food items for okay, this year. Nice. Sure. Uh, so we've got uh, birthday cake mini donuts. Nice and simple to start. It's birthday cake good. flavor donut. They've got like vanilla sugar icing, sugar crystals, and sprinkles on it. I'm a sucker for birthday cake flavored items, so I would eat those for sure. You know what? To be honest, though, I feel exactly the same way about fair food as I feel about the fair. And they may be connected, which is that I could have one half of one mini donut (laughs) and that's and be basically done with food for the day, let alone just like done with mini donuts. It's so much sugar and it's so much grease and that's every food. But you want to try everything. And that leads to the feeling of, of sort of like sadness and bloating that happens two hours in. Yeah, See, what no, I need is like a sampler platter. Oh. 
like a fair where it's like one of each of the new food items that Cody's going to name. Yes, that you could mm. split between four people, ideally. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, you might not want all of these, but we'll get to that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the next uh, next one, uh, pickle fries. Everyone likes the fried pickles you can get, but uh, it's just that, but in the shape of a fry, uh, right. which I think is the better method of eating a fried pickle. But I would agree. Wait, you think a fry is better or a pickle? Yes, the fry. The pickle fries. I, I've never tried one, but it seems logical. I feel like that feels that unnecessarily better. different. Like it's all it's the same thing. <laughs> I don't think you need to make it into fry shape. Yeah, but it's easier to like dip in the ranch. And, and, all and that. the problem the problem with a classic fried pickle in the sort of discus shape is that the middle gets like loose and soggy. Maybe it holds consistency, but I don't know. I, I, I think would that be will cur- be true with the fries too. So like what I don't part, really like fried pickles much, the whole but I would I would be curious about the construction of a pickle yeah. fry enough to want to try one. Mm-hmm. Good fried pickles aren't soggy. Okay, we can't talk true. about fried pickles for this long. <laughs> All right, we'll move on then. Uh, we've got the bacon wrapped waffle dog. You take into a thin waffle it. from Nordic Waffles, a hot dog, wrap the hot dog in bacon and put that in the waffle. And then add cheddar cheese, pickles, because State Fair, of course, uh, crispy onions, and burger sauce, whatever burger sauce is. I would eat that. You kind of lost me with the burger sauce, to be honest. (laughs) I was was imagining... I assume it's like Thousand Island, because that's like the classic mystery sauce. Classic burger sauce is like ketchup, mustard, mayo, pickle juice, onion, onion powder, (laughs) garlic powder, etc. I'm no stranger to making a burger sauce, but the... I was imagining like a sort of bacon donut, like a maple bacon donut vibe with also mm. a hot dog. And I was more into that than the sort of like savory burger dog waffle <laughs> experience you've described. Oh, it's it's a Kramarchuk hot dog too, so those are really good. Um, I don't even know what that means. I Nordic waffle has good savory waffles in the past, and I would try this for sure. I mean, I'll try anything once, but... All right, well, here you go, because the next one on the list is the Crispy Lutefisk Steam Bun. No, thank oh. you. The oh. Steam Bun, you take a steam bun, fill it with cabbage, carrots, cilantro, and yum-yum sauce, and then you <laughs> add in the lutefisk, brined in salt water for 12 hours, covered in hoisin sauce, baked, and topped with sesame seeds. It sounds so good, except for the main part of it. Yeah, Which... so for any of our listeners who don't know what lutefisk is, uh, you take a fish, say like cod, you brine it typically in lye, which is like a chemical used in like soaps and other yeah, cleaners like and stuff. Yeah, it's like strip walls. Of yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you brine it in that for a while and then rinse it to get rid of it so you're not eating, uh, hopefully, any of that. Uh, and then you like steam it or bake it until it like kind of flakes and then you have an end result that is it w- was once fish and now it, it may is maybe still shaped like the fish to some extent Barely. but is like i think that's generous. Gel- gelatinous in texture Ugh. and Ugh. yeah yep yeah. lutefisk is one of those like classic minnesotan foods that i've that no heard of as yeah. being a classic minnesotan food and i've yet to meet anyone who doesn't have a revulsion towards it and so i don't even know <laughs> how or why it still is even like a thing at all yeah Yeah. i am curious to hear uh to hear i would be curious to hear how many of these actually sell 
for oh for specifically for people who are not buying it as a prank and buying it because they want to eat it. I can't I mean, look, imagine it's a ton, but you, there are like to... millions of people that go to the state fair. So, I mean, we're on the podcast. You want me to be honest with you? Like that's the, the guy that you've named so far that I most would want to try. <laughs> not, not like it's the one I think I least would like. But, like, if I'm at the state fair, I want new – I know what's good. Like, if I want good food, I'm not trying the new food. I'm getting the cheese curds from the mouth trap place. Mm-hmm. I'm getting Sweet Martha's cookies. I'm getting one of those Pronto Pups. Like, that's what I'm eating. Uh, if I want to try weird stuff, give me the weirdest shit you have. And that <laughs> sounds as weird as – I'm sure it's awful. I'm sure I would regret it. But, like, I want to regret it. I want the bad – I want the badness as much as I want – good food you know what i mean this is coming from the person who once on a dare ate the chocolate covered jalapenos from it's a jalapeno i eat jalapenos they're not that hot usually like i don't (laughs) understand that was the most pain i've ever been in i yeah they had a chocolate covered jalapeno one time at the state fair i ate one full jalapeno and was again i i'm not a big spicy food guy i don't have a ton of tolerance but I do okay. I, like, go to, like, Asian food places. Like, when we order Thai or Indian, I usually get it, like, medium. Like, I'm not crazy, crazy spice-averse. And I ate a chocolate-covered jalapeno, which seems like it should be relatively inoffensive. And I was blubbering and, like, (laughs) tears streaming out of my face. Like, no sinuses completely cleared out for like 25 minutes afterwards i don't know what (laughs) i don't know what happened that was the worst that was the worst eating experience i've had in forever i think well if only you would have had this last item to wash all that pain down because uh, the last one would be the kind of a big deal pickle lemonade uh, which is basically just lemonade mixed with tangy dill pickling spices garnished with a nice crunchy slice of pickle. Ew. This sounds good to me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this I, sounds but, all I right. know some people like pickle juice, but I am not in that camp. I look, would look, not. Okay, wait, I wait, think wait, also, me... like, combining it with lemon? Ugh. But Tim loves lemons. Did, wait, okay. So read the whole thing again. Lemonade mixed with tangy dill pickling spices. Okay, tangy dill pickling spices is not pickle juice. It's it's lemonade with the sort of like peppercorns and like cardamom and saffron and like garlic or whatever that you like put in. You don't put cardamom or saffron in pickles, but like, <laughs> you, you know, with the like peppercorns and stuff that you would put in a pickling. I, I could see this being legitimately good. I This is the thing that I... I think might be too good for it to be a bit to be funny, even if it's weird. Like, I'm a. I think you're both wrong. I think this would be legitimately good. I don't want pickle juice in my lemonade. I've never had a refreshing lemonade and been like, this would be better if you just dump some <laughs> pickle juice in it. But pickling spices plus lemonade, I could see a world in which this is good. Well, there is a good. world where, uh, hopefully, because it was all generated by computers and stuff, that they uh, wouldn't have to deal with any of this yuck nonsense. So, Tim, uh, last episode, <laughs> I pitched you Transistor, and I will let you take it away. 
incredible transition as always. Transistron as always. Um, yes. So last time you pitched Transistor, Transistor is the fourth and final Supergiant game that we need to talk about on the podcast. Um, it is. It features the protagonist named Red uh, in the city of Cloudbank, and it starts sort of in in media res a little bit. Uh, you, at the very beginning of the game, are sort of in the middle of a city street kneeling next to the body of a man holding a giant glowing greatsword uh, that seems to be speaking to you. Um, you very quickly find out the sword itself is called the Transistor. The, it stabbed the man or was used to stab the it was attempting to kill red the man stepped in front of the way and killed the man and his consciousness has been uploaded into the transistor and red's voice has been taken as a part of this whole experience you are quickly attacked by an army of robots known as the process um and you spend most of the game exploring the city uh, as you fight your way through the process to find out, both, like, find out what is happening and to uh, basically, like, to take revenge is, is the primary... Part of it is, like, can I save my boyfriend, husband, partner who has been absorbed into the sword? But it's the motivation seems more like it's about revenge than, uh, than anything else uh, as you fight your way through the city. Um, so that's, that is the conceit of the game. The gameplay itself is a, like, very unique mix of action game plus turn-based strategy. Mm -hmm. Basically, as the game goes on, you, like, absorb other people's consciousnesses or, or I would say, personalities into the transistor. Uh, and they give you different move sets that you can use, or different moves that you can either use as themselves, or you can use them to, like, augment other moves to kind of mix and match and sort of, like, combine different powers in different ways. And it is just like an action game, but you can also pause the game periodically and just plan out a set of moves that happen almost instantaneously, uh... And then that has to, like, recharge over a few seconds. So it's, like, this weird hybrid between, like, a full action game and, like, almost, like, an Into the Breach-style strategy game where you're, like, planning out moves. You can see exactly what's going to happen. You know what you have to do, and you've got to figure out how to, like, do it with your specific move set in an allotted time. Uh... I am not crazy about either of these genres, like uh, the like turn-based, super super tactical strategy game, or the like super action adventure combat game. Yeah. But I do think the combination of both like worked for me more than I was afraid it was going to when it was being introduced to me. <laughs> like at the beginning, I was like, "Oh man, I think there's totally a world where I do not have the." patience for this or becomes almost more like a puzzle game because like if you try to play the game without the turn-based stuff it's too hard you couldn't do it like there's no way like the action adventure you can do it for a little bit but it's you really gotta lean on the turn-based pausing and moving and then my strategy was basically to like 
pause, kill a bunch of people, run away, wait for my thing to recharge, pause, kill a bunch of people, run away, which I yep. think is the intended design, basically. Pretty much, yeah, because they have certain abilities, um, like there is a little dash that you can use typically yeah. while your turn is recharging, so you can use it to like get away from people. Mm-hmm. Um, and like all of the attacks can be used um, without going into like the freeze time turn mode you could go up and just attack people but yeah to get like combos off and stuff it's best to use that turn freeze mode yeah definitely i think the the thing for me is that to be honest it felt pretty easy Mm -hmm. and i think that's that is the thing that made it like approachable for me like i think if it was really hard I probably don't get through this game all... This is just not, like, a combat system that if it was really hard, I would find a lot of enjoyment in, like, struggling with for a long period of time. But, like, overall, once you get enough powers and once you sort of, like, have a... I never really had, like, a build, I guess, that I was like, this is my build and this is what I do. I sort of, like, mixed and matched different things and, you know, there are different... The dash is basically always helpful... And there's, like, a move that helps you stun people mm-hmm. that is pretty helpful. Like, but a lot of them have some utility. The only ones I really didn't like at all were the, like, turn an enemy move to, like, become a friend. I found that one way more annoying than it was anything else. I would, like, at inadvertent. Uh-huh. For a long time, I had it linked to my dash. And I would, oh, like... sure. With the idea that, like, if I was in... Because the cool thing about a dash is that's the one that is the most useful while not in the frozen time. Um, because it's really helpful to be able to, like, dash away. And it's not, like, linked to the same, like, global cooldown in the same way. So you can use it constantly. Um, but it was really annoying to try to dash away and inadvertently turn someone over to my side that I was planning to kill with that move. And then now... My little plan is ruined. Um, and then I didn't... The, like, uh, ally assist move just, like, didn't feel to, like, summon a little dog. As, as cute as the dog is. Um, wasn't as, like, useful as I wanted it to be. But basically everything else I sort of, like, pulsed in and out and experimented with a little bit. And all were... Seemed basically fine. Yeah, I actually ended up using the... So, uh, high level, you can either have these abilities that you get from absorbing these people's essences, personalities, whatever. You can either have them as, like, an active attack, something that you can equip it as something that augments one of your active attacks, or just as a passive ability. And that's also kind of how the game gets you to, um, like, tease out some more information about these people to, like unlock everything that was about the person you absorbed the essence from um you have to use it at least once in each type of slot so it gets you to try out a bunch of different stuff um Mm -hmm. but that one particular help one that would uh summon the little dog if you i liked using it if you augmented it with a couple things that like made you have, like, two of the dogs and also, uh, like, made them stronger or able to move further so they could, like, go pick mm-hmm. up stuff and do little stuff while I 
attacked other people, but... Yeah, I could see that being helpful. But I think then I got the one that uh, is a little orb you shoot out that, like, spins and does a bunch of damage over uh, time, and then explode. I mostly just use that all the time. <laughs> yeah, that is that is one, like, as soon as I got it and, like, experimented with it a little bit, I immediately was like, I think this is the best one. And I also think it's too much for me. <laughs> I was like, I think this is the best, and it requires more thought than any of the other ones. I kind of just want my hit him, and then the other one that hits him harder. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, those are, that's more or less. Yeah, I wound up doing, like, the void one attached to the stun one. So I could hit him and stun him and then take down their defenses. And then I just, like, used Breach, which is the one that does the most damage. Yeah. And then, like, pumped that up with all the damage he wants. And it was just like, I will dash, and then I will stun and make you vulnerable, and then do all the damage to you. And it that combo is, like, extremely easy to execute. Took very little strategic thought of any kind. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and got me through the game. And it wasn't, it, you know, I, I could tell there's lots of different ways to, like, play with it and, and work it around. But I think they... I'd, other than, like, trying to get other people's stories, other than trying to, like you said, you can unlock, like, different stories of the people that you have integrated into the transistor. Um, if you use their abilities in different slots. Uh, but outside of that, it, the game never really, like, pushed me to, like, really experiment with yeah. other stuff outside of the little, like, challenge mode. The little, like challenge room type situations mm -hmm. um so that was the gameplay i think overall the world uh just like every super giant game is like very stylish it's very sleek it's good to look at it has like a very very defined aesthetic um and is the thing i have come to expect from super giant games uh in that like it has a very specific aesthetic and a, a very specific sense but it also feels deeply like a super giant game it would be very obvious that this was a super giant game even if i was playing on mute and had no idea of the gameplay just like seeing screenshots it just like has the the sleekness and the sort of like hand-drawn aesthetic that a lot of their games have and especially even just like the perspective and the enemies and all that kind of stuff like if you've played yeah. bastion their first game like it is from that level looks fairly similar besides like setting uh so i actually my next note on the game that i got about halfway through is this feels like hades to me mm. like i can so clearly feel like the combat feels way more hades than bastion to yeah. me all right I, it feels way more like hades than bastion felt like hades like this is clearly a step even with the weird time stuff yeah. um the just like how i felt how the characters move how the the sort of pace of the combat how you sort of gaming different abilities things like that felt very familiar to hades and i really like having played this now because i feel like i can feel hate this feels like a from a gameplay and many of its aesthetic perspectives feels like a refined version of bastion and then Hades feels like a further advanced and refined version of this, plus the like character 
specific work they figured out how to do yes. pyre like i think pyre has by far the best like characters and the best like a plot i mm-hmm. would say in my opinion of any of the super giant games but i think hades gets like 80 percent of the way there and then like iterates a lot on this combat and so it's fun to be able to see all of the connective tissue yeah that's that's why i really liked playing pyre for one of the reasons when you pitched to me because it that was the only one at the time that i hadn't played yet and so it really like completed that whole through line of all of their games that you can you know if you've played all four you can pretty clearly like see and feel their their path as they made games and where they made improvements and that kind of stuff yeah for sure um to the things that Supergiant does well, music is always a standout. It's like something I've come to expect mm-hmm. from that, like expect it to be good and expect it to be noteworthy. Um, the music remains good. <laughs> like it still is very good. I will say this is, I think, my least favorite of their four sure. games. I think like there are a couple boss fights that had like really distinctive music that was... Uh, really good but to just like be transparent when i went into this i I sort of knew that like red is a singer who's lost her voice and so i my expectations for the music were really really high uh and i felt like it was just a little forgettable it wasn't bad but it felt it felt the most like a sort of typical video game soundtrack whereas i think most of their other soundtracks are like more distinctive to no me. that's fair um yeah i do i do like the red songs in this one um, mm-hmm. like i f- i feel like they they fit into the world like the song the spine um that she yep. sings that you then like it manifests as like an enemy that you fight and stuff like that but um mm-hmm but I I can definitely see where you're coming from. Like Bastion's music was, um, is just so different, and I think that's I don't know if that's like my favorite, but that's the one that I feel like sticks out the most to me. Pyre probably is my favorite, um, but of the four, I yeah. think Transistor is. I I think you put it right, like the most kind of like forgettable. Yeah. It it was fine. It it wasn't. I I I, th- I think it would. It's good. Yes. It just is not. Not it's as just good. Not. Yeah. I I really doubt I'm gonna ever go back and like listen to the transistor soundtrack. Which like I don't go back and listen to ninety five percent of <laughs> video game soundtracks yeah. that I play. But um, it didn't it didn't blow me away. I, I think those are the big things on the the gameplay and the other pieces. So the only thing I have left to talk about is the plot broadly. So spoilers from here on out for Transistor from from the beginning to the end of the game. Um, so broadly speaking, the thing that you find out is that a group of oligarchs it seems like a group of like four important Mm -hmm. people named the camarada created the process it seems like also created the transistor using so the setting to back up for a second the setting of cloud bank is like a futuristic well by the time the game starts dystopian 
like futuristic city where like the weather and the environment and the things that happen in the city are like controlled by the populace as they like vote they're they're like little terminals as you walk through that you can like order food with or you can vote on like do we want it to rain today (laughs) or do we want it to be cloudy but with but with a little peaks of sun pointing through like a little very specific like the populace is in control of all of these pieces. And the camarada have this distinct perspective that they like want the world to not change. They like want the world to stay the same. And so they have created the process, which is a artificial intelligence linked army of robots that is built using the same technology that controls the city that allows people to like technologically shape the city um to help it's not to me it's not super clear exactly what their plan was but like it generally to like control the populace or like make sure that the city continues to build alongside the way they want it to. to yeah, because like one of the people in the group, Royce, was an engineer who had the transistor originally and like used mm-hmm. it to control the process to build the city essentially and like make changes right. to it. And it basically what ends up happening is that they lose control of it and the process yeah starts killing everyone yeah and it's implied that like i, I guess i don't it's not really implied it's specifically said that the process didn't get infected by anything it just was programmed badly that like these four people who created the process just like didn't think that it would mm-hmm. go this far uh, to like kill everyone and then reshape the world in its own image um so it is you figuring this out you systematically uh well you kill the first member of the camarada and then stumble upon two more who commit suicide rather than face you uh or rather than i guess like own up to their mistakes which is the whole city of Cloudbank has either been absorbed by the process or has fled into the country. Capital T, capital C, the country. Um, and so you go through this story of, like, you trying to, as Red, trying to figure out... You, you find a bunch of different bodies that have been absorbed into the process and or absorbed into the transistor. It's not super clear if there's a super meaningful difference between those two fates to me um but like you find bodies of people you knew like a detective or a a school teacher or a different other performers of different kinds they're almost always like notable people there's a person who's like not a politician but like the sort of like matron of a neighborhood who's like she's lived here for 30 years and is like very involved and uh she has like been absorbed these are the people whose like powers that you get and you can like learn more about them in their lives if you use their powers in every like available set so that that is the plot basically as as you play through um by the end everyone is dead except you and royce and you are told you can like re-put the transistor in its in a a spot in a sort of MacGuffin spot. Uh, and in doing so, you will end the process. 
um, as this happens, both you and Royce are also sucked up into the transistor's virtual world. And you find that within the transistor, and again, your boyfriend slash partner who's been killed by the transistor also was like sucked up into the transistor and has been speaking to you all game. Um, and you fight Royce in the transistor to then escape. And you are left alone in Cloudbank. Just you. There's no more process and there is no people. And you are you can like shape. So you control the transistor and you control pieces and you can shape it to be whatever you want it to be. Um, and instead, the thing Red decides to do is kill herself with the transistor to then be sucked up inside it and reunited with her boyfriend in the end in the virtual world of the transistor and that is how the game ends overall super interesting i think like that this is the story is like super super up my alley um because i'm such a like nerd <laughs> with these pieces i've got my own theories but i'm curious to hear from you cody what did you make of the story what did you not exactly like what did you think it was about but like what 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 did you make i of mean the i story? know the ending to me was surprising um yeah i think that's the most notable thing i was uh it was very much not what i was expecting the ending to be because like no it it feels like it ends on such like a Oh, not a positive note because a bunch of the people in the city are dead. The city's like destroyed, but <laughs> like dead, but you. you, you like come out of yeah. it with this brush and like you start rebuilding the world in, uh, I don't remember which region, like Fairview or something like that. Um, and you're yep. like making the statues and bridges come alive and you, you walk over to like where the body of your boyfriend or whoever it was, was, and you like restore that area. Uh, and I guess, I don't know what I expected of like, if she could like bring him back with the transistor now that she knows what it can do or something. And so I was, mm -hmm. I was surprised. Um, but it made yeah. for a very interesting ending. Yeah. I think it's a super interesting game. So, halfway through the note that i took is i think cloud i think cloud bank is social media like my so this game came out in 2014 right so like when i'm playing this now in 2023 it's hard not to think of this in terms yeah. of like ai like these these people have like created ai that have like risen up and taken control of us but that's like very obvious and i don't the impression I get of, like, we have created this virtual world that will keep everything the same, but also, like, the people who have created it are actually low-key idiots who, like, have programmed this in a way that they can mm -hmm. no longer control, and it has, like, subsumed culture to an extent that they didn't actually originally intend, but also, like, are unable and or unwilling to actually stop feels way more, like social media to me or like the internet broadly then it feels like ai or automation and especially when you get to the point of like what they are doing their strategy it seems like that like the reason red was stabbed originally 
they have gone around trying to stab a bunch of people with this <laughs> giant sword. Specifically people who are noteworthy or artists or like their their whole the impression I get is the transistor is meant to be like a brush with which to paint yeah. their new world. And they wanted the people with the best vision to do that. And the idea that like social media has like, and I don't really think it's social media. I think it's like the internet as a whole has like sucked up artists and like uses it to paint this virtual space at the, ex- at the expense of their voice in the real world. Um, was my read on it through most of the game so then red's decision to like kill herself and just like accept it is sort of fascinating to me and i don't really know what my read is on the game i think like there's there's a sort of dark read of like your options are either to like go off to the country which i read as like isolation of like i don't want to be a part of this i don't want to be this tech thing but it means I have to be separate from people and it's better to accept this like virtual world. If it means like I can be a part of society, like I can both be unhappy that society is in this virtual world and accept that that is the way it is now. And my options are to either be alone here or with people virtually. And I would rather be with people virtually than set myself apart otherwise which i think is sort of interesting but it's also so vague that that's me putting like a lot of my own read on a thing that i do not know if that was the intent but that's what i got out of the story yeah the the country is it's an interesting thing of like what they're trying to get at like what it means because it because it could be like yeah putting yourself in isolation it could also be like you know uh, the afterlife, like, you know, if you kill yourself in this virtual world to escape it, but not via the transistor, um, like referring to that as like, that's what they call the afterlife in this universe or something like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's, uh, I think that's an interesting read on it. Um, and I can definitely see where you're coming from with that. It, yeah, it's uh <laughs> I have no idea if that is true. I suspect about my suspicion is like to be honest, my suspicion is there is no like yeah. super firm read. I don't think it's like an exact parable of like this is the thing, but that to me feels like it's what inspired the game of like how do you you know, where do you it to me the camarada very clearly yeah. feel like Silicon Valley dudes of like we we are we are smart people we have created this magnificent thing that helps people but we have not thought (laughs) through the consequences and we will not take accountability for our actions in the end is very silicon and we're just going to keep uh, making changes to it on a whim and we'll see what happens yeah Yep, in our little, like, ivory tower with our secret society and no one gets to tell us what to do <laughs> until everyone's dead. Uh, feels very yes, Silicon valley uh, to me. That part definitely rings true. Um, I really liked in how they told the story. So there's, um, you know, if you kind of go off the beaten path a little bit in most areas of the game, there's these little news terminals that pop up. 
Um, and I liked how it used those uh, to continue to tell the story through, like, you know, the, there are terminals like you had, I think, mentioned for, like, you know, if someone, they can put a post up that's like, what do you want the weather to be like tomorrow? And they give, like, a few options mm -hmm. and people could like vote on the survey to decide the weather the next day. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of like news posts that you could leave a comment on and read increasingly figuring out that like, even though she couldn't talk to her boyfriend in the transistor, who's talking to her this whole time, acting as the narrator for everything she figures out that by typing in the console by the end of the game that she can talk to him that way. Um, and, like, mm. so just, like, little stuff of, like, using those little comment boxes to, like, add to the story and stuff like that. Um, I, I feel like they just always find really unique ways to tell different bits of the story um, or even just, like, add color to the universe. Mm. And I think that's something that they did well with stuff like that in transistor. Yeah, I definitely, I liked the character stuff too, generally like, um, where you use different weapons to do X, Y, and Z that, and then you unlock more of those character stories. I wish that I liked playing the game more like the actual gameplay. Cause then I would have seen more of that. Like I just didn't have the patience or interest to like learn new weapon combos in order to unlock more story in a way that I did sure. playing Hades, like playing Hades. I was happy to like try different stuff and, and whatever to, to unlock everything and get every little piece of dialogue. And I liked the dialogue stuff, but the gameplay and that process wasn't enough to like motivate me to want to do that. But when I did the like end result, I yeah, once I it got like... near the end of the game and all of the fights were like, you know, they weren't incredibly difficult, but if you didn't have a good build for like your active abilities, they could be more difficult. And so once you got to that point, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I became increasingly like, well, I don't really want to swap out this loadout piece to put in this person's ability to learn more of their story because then what if the next fight's really hard and I need that one ability? Yeah. Um, which is... <laughs> right, or I'm like, this ability to put it in this slot gives me nothing that I want and yeah. I have so limited points to do a thing. I'm like, I'm really hamstringing myself to like get this dialogue about this character and I'm just trying which to Which they do game. add um, once you finish the game you can either basically end or you can uh, do like a recursion where it's basically new game plus. Um, and you basically start the game over, but with everything that you already had and all the enemies are stronger, et cetera, et cetera. So that gets you yeah. back into a spot where you can, you know, go back and finish off unlocking the rest of the story for all the different characters, which the game is not particularly long. I don't know how long it took you to beat, but I mean, I think I was going to say like five, six it's hours, like five something hours like that something for like a that. playthrough and probably yeah. on a replay wouldn't take much like probably nearly faster. that long, probably like three or four. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely had some of the same hesitation while I was replaying it with like, 
not fully wanting to get rid of what the build I was using because just to unlock like a little bit more story for someone. Um, yeah, I wish I wish I get why they did it because it forces you to like engage with the system. But I, w- I wish it was a little more artful. Like it's very blunt to just be like, use this in this yes. slot to unlock this story. Whereas Hades felt a little more it like in se- I wanted to use different weapons to like learn them in a way that I, if I was going to do it here, it would just be to unlock yep. the story. Yeah. Pieces. And that's, and that's the only reason I did it was to get the story pieces and then set my build back to the way I had it that I liked. So, um, yep. But I think, I think that's really most of the big stuff I had about the game too. So, I guess all that's left, Tim, uh, would you give Transistor a yaw or a naw? Uh, I would give Transistor a yaw. I think overall it suffers in comparison to the Supergiant games I like more. Um, But, like, I like all of those games a lot. Like, the, the combat I didn't love, but, like, I got through the game. It didn't, like frustrate i didn't get bored of it if it was you mentioned how short it was i think it was if it was significantly longer or even just like a couple of hours longer i think there's a world where i'm like (laughs) god this is getting like really repetitive or really boring or whatever um but it was it was tight enough i never got like bored or tired of the combat it was fairly easy the last boss fight was really not very difficult um because i just sort of had my combo and did that eight times and then it was over um so, like, you know, was it crazy engaging? No, but, like, was the the gameplay of Pyre crazy engaging yeah. either? Not really. Uh, in some Sometimes, but Pyre has the opposite problem where it goes twice as long as it should go. Um, you know, the story's not as good as Pyre. I would say it's better than Bastion. Like, the music isn't as good as any of them, but it's still pretty good. Like, overall... I think, like I said, I think it's my least favorite super giant game, but it still was like a, a good game to play through. Story's interesting, if not super, super crazy, clear, compelling, but very, you know, had me noodling, <laughs> which is always a good sign. Oh, overall, it's a yeah, very, very good game. If nothing else, you know, it's it's short enough that if you like the other super giant games, it is worth a quick playthrough, even to just be able to see kind of that through line of vision um for their games kind of over the years uh i think i think it adds to that to be able to see kind of their whole portfolio yeah 100 percent. and to be honest playing this made me l- less excited about hades 2 uh because i seeing their progression through like different um different like storytelling different universes different kind of world building and different totally different sets of gameplay and like different game systems i think is super interesting i'm like i would rather see what their fifth brand new thing is than see hades 2 because every time they like iterate it does get better oh yeah and so like i still will play hades 2 i'm sure i'll really like it but like uh, yeah it's it is super cool yeah i'm hoping that they do something I haven't seen a whole lot about Hades 2. I don't even know how much they've put out about it, but I'm hoping that they do something interesting with it to like 
really make it clear that it's different from Hades and not and not feel like basically the same game just new story new main character type of thing so it'll be interesting yeah. to see because yeah I think I think they've shown that they can do interesting things and craft interesting worlds that if it's basically just going to be a, an upgraded Hades I feel like yeah I'd rather see them make something wholly new again but I guess we'll yeah. have to see yeah yeah, we'll find out. Well, glad you liked Transistor overall. Me too. All right, now we're going to jump into Cozy's middle segment. Cozy, what do you have for us this week? Uh, this week's middle segment is Cozy might be addicted to an MMO. Oh, okay. <laughs> I suspected this was coming. <laughs> Are you going to make Cody guess which MMO? Sure. Cody, do you want to guess which MMO? I don't. You're not gonna get it. I don't even know if you've heard of this MMO. Um, shoot. There's Rune one Escape. I just heard of. Uh, is it really new? Yeah. Um, I bet I'm gonna know it when you say it. I assume it's not Hello Kitty Island Adventure. It's not. Um, I didn't realize that was an MMO. I don't think it is an MMO. I think it's uh like an Animal Crossing type game. Um. Hmm. I don't know. What What do you got? What is it? <laughs> okay, I started playing. Um, it's called Palia. Yes. Palia. Okay. Yep. Okay. So you've heard of this? Yeah, um, I have. Yeah. So it's a it's a cozy game. Is the genre it's called, which is named after me, which uh, I think <laughs> I'm one of the few people who has a whole game genre named after me. Um, oh, you haven't been my friend, roguelike Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, and then so I had I told. Tim, this was a cozy game, and he had not heard of the genre. Uh, so I guess for listeners who may be in that same boat, it's just like, I mean, Animal Crossing's a cozy game. It's more like, I think it's generally like games that aren't combat focused or more like crafting and like life sims. Like all the Sims game would be cozy games. Like lots of island buildery like games tend to be in that genre. Um, so. I started playing Palia. It's in the open beta currently right now. Uh, and I think MMOs might be designed just to like really suck you in for the first however many hours I've played this game, 10 or something. Because mm-hmm. um, I immediately was just like, couldn't stop playing the game because it kept dangling these little like <laughs> quests in front of me of like you could do this little thing and just get the next reward and I was like oh I do want the next reward I will keep playing mm-hmm. so I feel like every like time I was like maybe I should do something else I'd be like oh but I'm so close to the next thing um so like the premise is like I mean it's not crazy different well it's like you appear in this world and the premise is like humans had like been presumed to be extinct and are suddenly like showing up again and you're like one of the humans that like just showed up so it's like all these like new humans are like in this village that you're like inhabiting and so you like a lot of it is like teaching you about the village and like you get to meet all the characters and you get to like do you have a little house plot and you can like decorate your house and garden and all these things and then um there's also kind of like a story quest I'm assuming it's going to be kind of like figuring out 
why humans are reappearing and like what happened to the humans and like why there's like some hints of mysterious things um that I've like picked up over time so um I so this game in particular I'm not sure how much I'm going to keep playing this game just because I feel like I've maybe exhausted the interesting parts of this game already and I've only been playing it for like 10 hours and my understanding of MMOs based on you guys playing them is that they're much longer than that usually. Uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, like, the... I mean, the main thing with this game is... there's It's, like, the crafting stuff, so, like, or gardening, where, like, it's a lot of, like, you may need to build, like... Uh, for instance, I needed to get a glider. So to get a glider, I needed to build, like, get a bunch of wood and get a bunch of, like... And then I needed to figure out how to make fabric, which meant I needed a recipe for that and a machine that could make the fabric. And, like, I had to grow cotton so that I had materials. So you, like, are basically, like, progressively building all these things that are, like, harder and harder to get. Where, like, now you might need to craft four things before you can get the thing you actually want to build or whatever. Which, if you've played a crafting game before, that's how they all kind of work. Yeah. But... Animal Crossing, very similar. Right. So... That seems to be, like, the main mechanic that drives this game. Um, but it felt like... I just feel like there's, like, not that much stuff that I'm, like, interested in, like, making. Other than, like, I got the glider because, like, I needed it for quests and stuff because you needed it to, like, get to certain places. Uh, but I, I... I'm, like, not sure... Like, there's nothing else that I... Right now, I'm not, like... Once I got the glider, which is the thing I've been working for for the past 10 hours, I was just, like, now... I, like, use that to progress the next, like, story main quest, but now it wants me to, like, craft, like, 20 things to, like, I think move on to the next main quest thing, and I just, like, I'm not sure the crafting is that interesting to me, (laughs) because it's just, like, the amount you need to, like, do to, like, level up your skills is, like, insane. It's, like, I tried to level up, because, like, one of the skills is, like, foraging, which essentially is cutting down trees, um... Which feels bad when you're in, like, this, oh, this beautiful nature world. You need to cut down, like, 80 trees. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I spent, like, two hours, like, cutting down trees to try to get to the next level of this, like, tr- for the tree thing. I'm, like, I don't even need this much wood. I'm just doing this to try to, like, get the quest of, like, you need to get one of your abilities to level five. So I'm, like, doing this forever. And I'm just, like, the, like, the Anna, the way you, like, do all these crafting things is just, like, really tedious. It's, like, so grindy for the crafting mm-hmm. that I'm just, like, I'm not really interested in keeping doing this forever. I, I like, want to get to the next story quest, but I don't want to have to sit here and chop down 80 trees for five hours to do it. Plus other things I'm sure I would have to do. It's just, like, it takes so long to, like, level up these um skills that I'm just like not sure that there's enough it's what it's making me want is to like go play better cozy games like I think I should maybe go play Breath of the Wild like I think I would enjoy that more (laughs) than maybe this game because it's like I just don't think there's enough story to hold my interest to actually like grind through some of the crafting stuff it's trying to do or you can go back to Final Fantasy 14 and just do crafting Final Fantasy fourteen is a cozy game for sure. If Breath of the Wild is, FF fourteen definitely is. So now I assume really? you can make a weapon oh, yeah. in Palea and go fight monsters, yes? No. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think um, so. Um 
don't well, think here's so. the other thing is like, I don't know why this is an MMO because like, it doesn't seem like there's a something I can do. Like, I know people that are also playing this game that I'm friends with and I can't figure out if there's something I can do with them other than like, you can chop down trees together and you both get the wood from it. But like, I'm not meeting up with people and picking a time to do it. Like for Final <laughs> Fantasy, you could do a dungeon together, yeah. right? So like, I'm just not sure why it's like I want more content if it's gonna be like an MMO like I want more like stuff that I, you get in Final that I like had in Final Fantasy also moving through this world is so slow and like I know other MMOs have like a mount or you can get pets and like this is the thing I'm interested in in these games I would like those things in a, especially because like you're not you don't have interesting gameplay through combat like the combat's not interesting so like if you're not going to put combat in I want more customization uh-huh. options and I feel like there's way more customization in like Final Fantasy or uh I don't play well but I'm guessing it does or, like, even, like, the house stuff, like, all the stuff I can build for my house that's, like, furniture, it's all just, like, logs put together. <laughs> There's, like, no themes to any of it. I was, like, I should just go to, like, play Animal Crossing. Like, I feel like yeah. that would be better because I feel like there's more creative options in Animal Crossing or The Sims than I'm getting in this one. To be fair to this game, it's still in early access, right? Or, like, beta or something? Yes, to be fair, it is in it is in the open beta, so it may they may be adding more content and stuff. It's just like it seems like if the but I I was like looking on their website to see if there's like oh coming soon like team quests or like make a party and do that together like that kind of stuff and it doesn't seem like interesting. That's like it's not advertised as part of the game. It's like all the stuff they're advertising is like the ten things I can already do in the game and like i bet some of the because of what they're hinting at with the main quest story i think that stuff might be coming up like i'm guessing that's part of what they'll roll out like you might get new chapters to that kind of story over time and i think there's more i can unlock at this point i just haven't played enough yet so i i will like wait to see where that goes and that might prove to be interesting i'm just like i don't think they nailed the like gameplay I'm looking for if I'm gonna like invest hours and hours and hours into like an MMO yet. And yeah, so, I feel like, like if if crafting is your main focus for a lot of the game, it needs to be like an interesting mechanic and not just like a gather X Y Z press craft done. Right, and like the gathering takes way too long. It's like really hard to get back to where like I'm. 90% of this game so far has been like inventory management because I keep running out of space in my backpack and like I'm not <laughs> interested in doing that forever or it's like you'll do like bug collecting or like fishing the idea being like you want to get all the different types of fish or whatever but like I was fishing for like 10 things and I caught the equivalent of a Magikarp 10 times like it was the same fish 10 times I'm like why am I doing this for <laughs> 20 minutes to get the same 10 fish when I could just go play Pokemon and I would be more interested in playing Pokemon <laughs> and I can catch all the Pokemon. Right. <laughs> it's just like, I feel like this game, it's like, it didn't like pick a thing to be good at. It just kind of like took a little bit of like a whisper of things from other games that do these things well and like didn't try, like didn't like innovate them. So I'm just like kind of confused a little bit, but I have played it for 10 hours. So I don't know if that's just because it's the beginning of an MMO and it's addictive just because I'm like, uh 
just I the dopamine hit of finishing the accomplishments is like really feeding my brain right now or if I'm like I don't know maybe I'll stick with it I mean yeah I'm kind of interested to try it I I might have to go download it at some point and give it a shot because I I have heard about this from at least one or two other people in passing so kind of curious I mean what you described to an extent is like the challenge that MMOs have is like how do you create a content loop that doesn't require us to make new bespoke content constantly. It's the grind, right? Every MMO has yeah. the grind at some point. And like the, the devil is not in how good the first 10 hours is. It's like in how rewarding is it to do the grind right. afterwards. And that is the thing that like most MMOs struggle. It's pretty easy for an MMO to be really compelling for, 10 to even like 10 to 100 hours is a bar that a lot of MMOs hit. Mm-hmm. It's like hour 100 to 1000 that like many of them, that's a lot harder of a bar to reach. I mean, yeah, you describing this like just gave me flashbacks to RuneScape, which is like the whole core of the game is you have like 20 different stats um, like how good you are at chopping down wood and different stuff like that. And that is, it is just a ton of grinding constantly to like level up those stats to the point where getting a stat to max level will take probably thousands of hours um, right. for like a single stat because, yeah. you know, it you have to chop down tons and tons and tons of trees to mm-hmm. level up your stat. Yeah, um, it's it feels a lot like that. But I'm even thinking like, okay, so Final Fantasy, when I played it, there's like you get the like rewards for hunting, right? Like you can level up your hunting and get like, but there's like specific. You're trying to get like specific creatures or whatever. Yeah, you've got like little objectives. Yeah, there's like uh-huh. mini objectives. Whereas like this game, there is like a hunting like thing that you can do, and there are literally two animals you can hunt. That's it. That's all the things you can hunt. So I'm just sitting, and they're like so mm-hmm. easy. It's not even hard to like hunt them. So I'm, like, just sitting here, like, doing that forever. And, again, maybe they'll expand this with the beta because, like, there's also only, like, two areas and stuff, too. So it's, like, maybe that's more to come. But, like, from what I've heard, too, like, just kind of Googling around at this game of, like, am I, like, missing something that, like, I'm not the only one who feels like maybe (laughs) it's a little light right now. Um, And, again, hard to know if they're going to add anything else. Uh, But it's just, like, it feels like they had, like, this was, like, a big release they had a big team working on it and stuff so it's not like a little like it doesn't feel like an indie game that just like you know they focused on the things they were trying to do it feels like i feel like the amount of time and energy that got spent building this game i would i want more to like interact with i also would love a mount so i can move faster through this world which is my (laughs) biggest complaint in almost any video game but I really think this world could benefit from it because they make the fast travel so expensive and I can only teleport mm. home every 30 minutes, so. Do they have any kind of, like, cash shop yet? In terms Probably of, like... Enough, like, that you can pay real money for stuff? Yeah, so, and I looked up this, because so it is free to play, um, so I really shouldn't complain about anything because I have played all of this game content for free, uh, but they're, it's monetized through microtransactions basically but it's it's they're trying to like they're pretty intentional about making it not 
you need to pay to proceed in the game at all. It's all kind of like cosmetic stuff. So you can okay. pay for outfits with real. There's like a separate currency you can buy with real money that you can't earn in the game. Um, uh-huh. You have. And then so you can buy that. But it's all like, you know, I don't know exactly what they're going to add, but it seems like it's like furniture or outfits or whatever. And none of that is like necessary to actually play the game. Interesting. Well, that's and a very damning account said, of the game that you started by saying you were getting addicted to uh-huh. it. Wow. <laughs> well, I know, because it's like, I feel like I, I have been addicted to it for the first 10 hours, and then I was like, I feel like I might be hitting my uh, limit on it, is the problem. But, uh, like, I want to like this game. Like, it sounds fun, but I'm just, like, I'm struggling to find... Like, I just, like, feel like I'm just chopping a tree for two hours. Like, I feel like that's my next step, and I don't... I'm not interested to watch the tree chopping animation for two hours, you know? Yeah, it's interesting, because it seems like they captured the... the, like, hook opening of an MMO that you should try to aim for well. Mm-hmm. And... But it also seems like they may be, like, released into open beta too quickly... Yeah. Uh, and like needed more variety of different. Of just like, I mean, even you were talking about like fishing or hunting, like more variety there than they have. Yeah. So that it doesn't, so that it feels maybe a little bit more unique and not just like a repetitive chore. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah. So I'll I'll probably keep dipping in and out, Cody. I'd be curious if you play it. How you? What do you think and stuff? And I'll I'll have to like I might just try focusing hard on the main quest and ignore all the side plot stuff and try to see how far I can get that. Um, just to like see where the story goes because I feel like that's the I'm most curious about that because like the other stuff just feels like grinding anyway. So I'm just like I'm only doing that in service now of the main story and just to see where that goes. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably download it and give it a shot, and I'll, I'll let you know my thoughts on it. Cool. And last thing on the agenda is to pass it over to you, Tim. What is your pitch for me this episode? Yes, so this whole podcast, starting when Kyle was the other co-host, uh, I've had one mission, which is... To get someone else into football manager. <laughs> Not necessarily as much as me, but uh-huh. a little bit. And I have maintained that pitching any of you just straight football manager would be bad and not a good experience for anyone, you, me, or the podcast listener. Sure. Um, so we've been on, whether you do it or not, a steady journey toward football manager um, through various games and as well um, – Obviously, the All or Nothing documentary, etc. I'm going to take another step in that direction with a veer off to the side. Because the thing that is most interesting to me about Football Manager is the emergent storytelling. Is it is not a game like Transistor with like a very set story that you play through. And it has characters that are pre-named that you play through that have stories that are told to you. It is a game where you make up your own stories in your head. That the game does not, you know, it procedurally generates a striker for you who's like a young kid who then goes crazy and you develop an emotional relationship (laughs) with this fake striker. And that is what 
that is what triggers so much of the fun of that game is sort of headcanoning, imagining that these are real people that you can get behind. Are you, how do you feel about like emergent storytelling in games? Like that's sort of like wide ranging, like the, the most enjoyable part of the story is not the actual a plot. It's the like little headcanon of the little characters that you're rooting for. Uh, I mean, honestly, not a ton of experience with games that rely on that. Um, yeah. It's just not my usual go-to, uh, like games yeah. that are that lean that way. I guess I, I don't know. I don't really have much more to say on it than that. <laughs> I didn't think so, which is why this time I'm going to pitch you a game that does that. Cody, have you played XCOM: Enemy Unknown? Uh, I mm, let me think. I played. It came out in 2012, so slightly more than a decade ago. I think I've played maybe an hour of XCOM 2. Sure, that is just fine. That you, it is okay. Even if you have played bits of the original XCOM before, it's fine. I'm still gonna pitch this to you. Sounds good. Um, basically, what XCOM is is a turn-based tactics game. Uh, it is set in an alternate version of the future year of 2015, um, <laughs> where the player controls a, a multinational coalition, uh, an organization called XCOM. I don't remember what it stands for. Now I wish I would have looked that up before this. Um, where you control this this allied organization as there is an ongoing alien invasion of earth xcom is sort of the combined military forces of the world as you work to fight off to like understand and simultaneously not get conquered by the aliens uh and so the way it works is you have it's sort of a classic turn-based tactics game sort of fire emblem-esque where you've got like a a field set of the game where you're back at your base camp and you can like build up your base camp and research technology and and heal your troops and do different activities and you go out on missions and you bring troops on missions and you do things and there's a set of missions that help you like gain resources and there are sets of missions that like advance the a plot and as this goes on your troops will die or be get promoted or get experience and get better at things you have skill trees for every individual troops and it is very much one of those games where like when i you hear people tell stories of their time playing xcom it is stories of like i had this sniper and his name was gonzalez and he <laughs> stayed with me through all these missions and he got knocked down by like a rough shot and i like ran over to heal it and it's very like the game did not script this this is just like a thing that happens and stories of like <laughs> having killing three other people as you rush to save Gonzalez were like the better tactical decisions to be like, I'll train a new sniper. Right. Um, and it's that piece that I really relate to. And I think is fun. Um, the tactics are also just like very good. These games are great tactics games. Um, the story's fine, but the interesting part of the story for me is the character stuff. The A plot story stuff is just like alien invasion stuff. Yeah. But, the tactics are really good, and the character stuff really really clicks my brain in the right way. 
No, and I've... Uh, tactics games for me are something where... Um, it's, it's the kind of thing where I always want to find a good one, but often have a hard time finding one that clicks with me. Um, yeah. So I am... I'm pretty interested to try it and see, because um, I don't... Yeah. There are so many games where, like, I try and then get distracted and then never go back to, and I feel like that's probably what happened with X- XCOM 2. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I'm... Uh, I'm kind of excited to go back and try the original one and see see how it feels, see what I think. Because um, when did you say this one came out? This was, like... Yeah, So t- so to be clear... XCOM Enemy Unknown is a remake of a game that came out in, like, 1990, or, like, 1994. Um, yeah. So XCOM Enemy, the, like, modern one, is published by Firaxis, who make a ton of tactics games, and it came out in 2012. Okay. That is that is the one that I am uh, pitching. You do not play the one that came out in 1994. <laughs> I strongly suspect it's not great. But Firaxis is the one that makes, like, Civ and makes... Oh, sure. Okay. Um, uh, it is not like Civ. It's way, way less than Civ. Like, it's so much... It's not like a 4X tactics yeah. game. It's more like Fire Emblem. This this is, I, I would say, probably much more up my alley than Civ would be. That is something I never was able to get into. I had friends who Me would come over too. and play it, and I just couldn't do it. Yeah, I really love the idea of Civ. <laughs> and it's just too much for me. And XCOM, to be honest, I I don't I played this game a long time ago, so I'm gonna have to replay it a little bit too. I don't know that I ever beat XCOM because yeah. the the A plot is not great in it. Like that, that's not what I was in it for. It's for the gameplay and the character stuff. So like, uh, the how long to beat on this game is also 25 hours. So it, it's okay if you do not finish this game. <laughs> um. But I would just play into it and see if you can get into it and see if it grocks for you. The tactics, again, I don't know if I played it to completion, but overall, I remember feeling the tactics were really good and grocked for me and the character stuff. Uh, I mean, the character stuff in the game itself, the, like there's not a lot of writing of character yeah. stuff, but the way that it does characters in that way really worked for me. Well, cool. I am, uh, I'm excited to give it a shot and come back next episode with my review. Awesome. That's going to do it for this week's episode of Hard Sell. Thanks for listening. Uh, Remember to drop us a rating and a review wherever you find your podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter, which I'm going to continue to call it, uh, at Hard Sell Show. You can send us an email at hardsellshow at gmail.com. We have been streaming or rather tim and kyle have been streaming playing through baldur's gate 3 on twitch at hard sell show every saturday at uh what time is that again tim uh noon pacific uh 2 p.m central subject to change but generally noon pacific 2 p.m central so make sure to tune in then uh, or I will say, if you are listening to this on the day that it comes out, we will not be streaming this particular Sunday. But <laughs> in general, Sundays twelve Pacific. Yes, make sure to check the Twitter on that day to uh, to ensure that they will be streaming that day. 
Um, Correct. And until next time, we'll catch you on the flippity flop. Catch you on the flippity flop.